You are listening to An Awful Lot of Running, a Doctor Who podcast. Hello and welcome to an awful lot of running, a Doctor Who podcast. Woo! <laughs> I am Jack, one part of your hosting team, and join me as always, the ace to my seventh Doctor. It's Robin Fowle, published all for himself. Oh, uh, <laughs> uh, and I'm in love with that analogy right now because. Let's just throw the curtain away for a second. This is us future selves talking right after the interview, which we are still recovering from. It was just an absolute delight. Um, (laughs) We are are so lucky, so, so lucky that my favourite companion, Sophie Aldred, is on the show with us uh, this week. So I tell you what, uh, Robin, I don't think they want to hear from us. No, Uh, I don't think so either. I think (laughs) let's cut away. And you can listen to the interview. See you in a bit. Ace, I haven't heard from the Doctor for nearly four decades. Just because it's only three decades for me. When Doctor Who regenerated back onto our screens in 2005, I was instantly captivated by the performances of Chris Freckleson and Billy Piper as the Doctor and Rose, respectively. Um, I only came to realise in the coming weeks that there was a vast uh, history to the show itself. At Christmas that year, my parents gave me a big stack of DVDs from The Doctor, they said. <laughs> and mainly Dalek stories, because I was, I was just captivated by those, those weird, shouty boys. And I just had a fantastic time going through, watching Destiny of the Daleks, Resurrection of the Daleks, all these fantastic stories, until I hit a certain story where a kick-ass 80s girl came strutting down the street with the doctor sporting a massive boombox on her shoulder i was instantly enthralled especially when i realized that she was very much the model for, for the modern series companions and someone as someone who's always been drawn to female strong female characters and strong female role models i have no shame in saying that ace became and is to this day my favorite doctor who companion and that, <laughs> and that is down to the depth and brilliance of our guest performance. Our guest today is an author, an actor, a voice actor, and one of the greatest performers in the show's history. It's Sophie Aldred. Oh, well, I like that intro. Thank you very much. Oh, bless you. I love your story as well. That's so brilliant that you got the DVDs from The Doctor. I know it was it was so sweet because I you know it was I'll be on I was I was a teenager like Rose came out two days before my 14th birthday so I was older but they still they still like to have that magic about Christmas and yes. it's it's lovely and oh, they were like yeah. well here's 
Everybody's got to have a stocking until they're oh, yeah. <laughs> so I had a sonic screwdriver in this in this like like a, I think it was a, a pillowcase and they had a little tag on it saying from the doctor oh, and it had more parents oh, oh you know bless you yeah. oh bless you <laughs> and you know it's funny as well my mum's got a question in later on as well which Hurrah. I'm sure she'll love to hear so so again thank you so much for being here Sophie it means the world genuinely it's, especially it's after... amazing honestly well, we know how busy you've been with things post Power of the Doctor as well. So we'll try not to take too much of your time. So let's get straight into things here. We've got some lovely questions from ourselves, even lovelier questions from our listeners. So first things first, Sophie, we're going to try and stay away from the ones that you usually get. But then I'm sure there'll be some crossover as well. Just, you know, we try and make it a bit more interesting, basically, that way. But we'll see now anyway. Okay, No problem. The, this one you'll definitely have been asked before, but hopefully not in this way. Um what is your Doctor Who secret origin? How do you become aware of the show? How did you come into the show itself? Oh, my goodness. Well, uh, I think in the 60s and 70s, when I grew up, everybody in Britain was aware of Doctor Who. It was just the programme that, that families would sit down and watch. Um, and my family were no exception. Although I think can't remember anything about Patrick Troughton so I'm wondering whether we even had a telly yes folks in those days some people didn't even have one single screen in the house and uh and in any case I think it would have been black and white so the first doctor that I remember was John Pertwee and uh and I loved I can't remember any specific moments of John Pertwee's tenure um, but I'm a bit like that. I tend to remember sort of feelings and atmospheres rather than specific incidents. Uh, so I remembered this kind of authoritative um, father figure. And I remember Joe Grant was sort of very cute. I kind of wanted to look after her, even though I was only young myself. And she was very, very sweet and um, pretty and um, uh, but had a brain on her as well. Um, and and I just I loved Doctor Who, but I wasn't a fan. I was a fan in the way that everybody was a fan then. It was like just what you did, you know. It was um, match of the day, oh, and Basil Brush, of course, and Doctor <laughs> Who, and Blue Peter, and all those sorts of lovely programs. Um, so then, when I was asked to go for an audition for Doctor Who for three episodes to play a small part, um, I was quite surprised because I didn't even know it was still going. This was 1987. And um, so I was quite sort of, um, oh, I, I didn't even know it was still on. And, um, and so I was just absolutely gobsmacked to not only get the three episodes but to also be asked if I would like to perhaps carry on as the as the Doctor Who assistant bear in mind that I'd never done any tv I'd never been in a tv studio I'd never I didn't have a screen test it was an extraordinary extraordinary punt by the then producer John Nathan Turner who just I don't know he saw something in me maybe and uh decided that this was going to be a good fit for the character of Ace. And I owe my career. I mean, it sounds a bit dramatic to say I owe my life to John Nathan Turner, but it, it and Chris Clough, who was the director who um, first put me forward to him. 
But it's true, really, in a way, because it's uh, ACE has been this strong thread through my life since the age of uh, 24. My goodness. And then, you're, you know, you're here now still playing Ace. And that's mm. that's got to be fantastic to have that longevity to a character that she's still relevant today. She's still kicking ass out there <laughs> up in different worlds and on, t- on our TV screens. Yes, I was so delighted to be asked back. Uh, it was a real um, privilege, actually. And um, and I don't take it lightly in any way that Chris Chibnall um chose me and, and Janet to uh, reprise our characters. Um, and it's given Ace a new lease of life and um, introduced her to a new generation as well. And it's, yeah, I couldn't have asked for uh, a better gift. Mm. Also, well, I tell you what, I absolutely hit the roof um, Easter Sunday when <laughs> that trailer at the end of Legend of the Sea Devils came on, bearing in mind that Ace is my favourite companion. Tegan is a very close second. So to see you and Janet in the trailer, <laughs> and not just there, you and Janet interacting as well, yeah. I was, I mean, there wasn't any ceiling left, basically, <laughs> i got to say. <laughs> what, what, what were you doing the day you got the call about coming back for The Power of the Doctor? I mean, what were the conversations there that led to it? Yeah, well, I was just sitting minding my own business in, in our conservatory at home and um, and the phone rang. Can you hear my, my son and my husband talking, by the way? I'm no, just... no, not at no, all. No, no. Oh, really? Oh, good, because they're talking very loudly in the kitchen, probably about RuPaul's Drag Race. Anyway, um, <laughs> uh, yeah, I was sitting in the conservatory and I got this call from my agent and... Um, she said, just out of the blue, she said, um, Andy Pryor's just been in touch, who's the casting director of Doctor Who, um, and we uh, asking for your availability, and we all know what that means. And honestly, I was shocked and surprised and pleased and everything, and I came off the phone and I burst into tears. Oh, and my goodness. husband said... <laughs> My husband said, what's wrong? What's the matter? I said, nothing's wrong. Andy Pryor has just been asking for my availability and you know what that means. <laughs> and it was so emotional. It was just really wonderful. And then um, my agent arranged a Zoom call with Chris Chibnall and um, he said to me, would you do me the privilege of being in the centenary special? And I said, Wild horses wouldn't stop me from being in the centenary special. <laughs> and then he said, you know, what do you think Ace would be like now? What do you think she'd be doing? And I said, well, I think she'd be very much like she is in the book in At Childhood's End, which I knew he'd read because he had to approve it for um, the BBC. Um, and I said also... So it's a wonderful book as well, I have oh, to say. Oh, thank so. you. Thank you so much. <laughs> well, I, I also... Um, I, I was. I also loved what Pete McTie did with the character of Ace in the trailer for the 20, mm. season 26 box set. Um, and I said, I think she'd be like that. She, she's probably a little bit melancholy. Uh, she's never quite got over being with the Doctor. She's, um, she's probably been looking for that ever since, in a way, that sort of similar experience but she can still kick ass <laughs> and uh, <laughs> and she could still beat up a Dalek with a baseball bat. And I mean, I you could have knocked me down with a feather when I got the script and I found 
that not only had was I beating up a Dalek with a baseball bat, <laughs> shooting Cybermen and parachuting into the TARDIS and all that. So yeah, I was delighted with it. Well, I, I tell you now, again, as a massive base fan, I used to, I was just when I was watching Power of the Doctor, the centenary, I was just I was up and down so much through the episode anyway, but just seeing those little things and you have that great line, you have that great scene with Sasha Dewan. You know, yes. where you get the, where you have that fantastic line. You know, the last time I saw you, you were tough cat. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> I love it. that scene. Was uh, was amazing because we that was the first time we'd met Sasha and um, Janet and I. Just after he'd rehearsed a couple of times, we just looked at each other and went, "Whoa!" We, we it was like watching a masterclass. He's such a great actor. He was. What he was doing was so clever. He would play with the way he would deliver the lines, not in a destructive way, because sometimes people um, who are, you know, method actors, they can, nothing wrong with method acting, but they can really throw off everybody else because they're, they're doing something very different every time. But he would just add a little bit of something uh, each time he did it and did a take just to show the director something a little bit different, you know, to give the director some choices in editing. And, uh, oh, it was it was uh, really wonderful watching him work. Oh, that's, mm. that's absolutely fantastic. That really is. And it's just, it's just amazing to hear that you had such an amazing experience while filming it as well. I, I loved watching the whole thing. It was amazing. And I think, one scene that really stood out for a lot of people yeah. was the fact that how wonderful was it for you getting to do a scene with Celeste again, like mm. back on screen after all these years? And was it important to you that Ace got some closure there? That was, um, it was sort of shocking when I read it in the script because I, I kept thinking when I was reading the script the first time and then, and rehearsing and, and doing the filming because I wasn't, I, I don't know, I don't, I, I think of Doctor Who in a way for the fans now, you know, what are, what are you gonna think? What are you going to want? What are you gonna want to see? And when I read that scene, it was like, this is the scene that so many people have wanted to see all these years. Mm. And um, it does feel like closure, not only for, me but for the fans as well you know what happened to ace after she walked off into a bush with sylvester at the end of survival you know what what went on and then there've been loads of speculations in the big finishes um i i did it myself in the book um in the comic strip and she's done pretty much everything but i don't know somehow on telly this is the this is the I don't know, this is the canon, I suppose. And um, and we don't, we still don't quite know what happened. And I like that. I like the fact that they had a falling out, you can see. Um, and it could be the Paul Cornell version in Love and War in, in the book and in the audio. Um, it could be, um, it could be something else. We don't quite know. But um, to to film that scene was so emotional and moving it was great we did the bits in the cave first so Sylvester wasn't actually there but in a way that was better because I could imagine he was there and that was somehow 
more moving for me to kind of just have that time on my own. We'd have been joking and larking about, I know. If we <laughs> um, and I also asked um, Barnaby Edwards, who's a wonderful actor and um, inside the Dalek. Uh, we just filmed that those Dalek scenes um, previously. And I asked the director, would it be possible that if Barnaby could stay and read in Sylvester's lines, because I knew he'd do a great job. And, um, and he did. And so it was just me, Barnaby sitting on a rock a little further away, the cameraman, and that was pretty much it in this little enclosed space. And everybody else was quite far away because we were up a sort of escarpment of rock. Um, and so the director and everyone else were watching the monitors down below. And it was very intimate. And that really, really helped the whole um, atmosphere because I was aware that it was going to be the sort of, almost like the moment that everybody had been waiting for, for Ace. And, um, and then we filmed Sylvester's Lines in the studio a couple of weeks later. And that was amazing as well, because I was asked to come down and read the lines in for him. And there we were standing just opposite each other, him in his costume, just really, it was like looking into his eyes. And it was just like the old days, but not like the old days. It was you know, lots of water under the bridge uh but it it was very moving and and then funny actually because Chris Chibnall on the day that of the release of Power of the Doctor um he sent me some photos of the monitor of Sylvester oh. and, me, and he'd been standing there taking photos of us and and there'd been loads of people all around lots of people had come down to watch the to watch the scene so yeah it was it was a very special and, and moving moment it was great Oh, it was, it was certainly special and moving for us as fans as, as well. I think I think a lot of people forget as well that Chris Chibnall and people that work on Doctor Who are massive fans of it as well. So that's mm-hmm. wonderful to hear. And I really I really like what you were saying about how it's yeah it's the definitive on screen sort of closure moment for Ace, but then it doesn't decanonize anything that else that's gone before. And I'm a big advocate in the Doctor Who fandom that we should be sort of post canon anyway. We should be just looking at things as Doctor Who, Big Finish in particular, as like a as a toy box. And it's just, it's about telling the best stories and the most fun stories we can and that. So in my mind, I'm still like, oh, I can still see how At Childhood's End could lead into this. And maybe maybe there's just a reason Ace can't say that she's already met the 13th Doctor. That's, that's what it is in my head. <laughs> yeah, well, also, we mustn't forget, never forget that uh, we got a bit of wibbly-wobbly timey-wimey, you know. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Yeah, that yes. everything, really, doesn't it? Yeah, exactly, yeah. Uh, I know as well, I've seen that you were on set the day that, uh, I think it was when David Bradley, was it Colin and Sylvester were doing their their return as the aspects of the Doctor's consciousness. Was it... Well, I, I don't think you were supposed to be there down that day, but well, you went down was, to see it, weren't you? That was the same day. So we finished oh. we finished doing Sylvester's lines, and then they said, you know, thank you so much, Sophie. That's that's great. See you soon. And I went out to my trailer thinking, oh, oh, I don't want to go. And uh, there was Colin in his trailer getting into his robes, and David, and we started chatting and. Um, I mean, I know them, obviously, which is lovely from conventions and things. And we were all 
And I thought, I can't go now. <laughs> and, um, and Sylvester came and got into his robes. So I said to somebody, could I stay? Do you mind if I stay for a bit? And they said, no, not at all. So I went back into the studio and um, we just had the most brilliant day. And, uh, and in fact, then the director came and said, um, uh, actually, Sophie, would you mind reading him some lines? Because Paul and um, Peter couldn't make it that day. Um, and then Jodie was doing some other stuff and then she came in later. So I ended up reading in all these doctor lines for, um, for everybody. Um, and it was just the best. It was like the best Doctor Who convention you've ever been to. Chris was Chris was there, obviously, and Chris was sort of, I think, rubbing his hands in tears as well. Um, and then Jodie turned up, and Janet came because she had some scenes later. So it was, and Sasha was there, I think, as well. It was just a fantastic day. It was really wonderful. Such a great moment. Oh, sure. And of course, David, David and Colin and Sylvester. That there's the usual doctor banter that goes on. It was it was fun. Oh, really. I, I loved. I I can I can only speculate. There's like a secret Doctor WhatsApp group where they just all rib each other. You know, yes. I, I, know. <laughs> I I think I remember hearing when when Shooter Gatwell was cast that Sylvester sent Paul uh, McGann a very cheeky text about, uh, you know, four Scots and two Scousers. <laughs> I wouldn't be at all surprised. <laughs> yeah. I have to say as well, Sophie, I know from I know how good your 13th Doctor would have been reading those lines because the Childhood's End at Head Childhood's End, I loved it so much I got the audio version as well as the oh, book. Oh, and you. your Jodie Whittaker is impeccable. It's oh. genuinely I was I was blown away. Oh thank you. Well don't tell her. <laughs> it was funny I mean, actually, because we were doing the uh we were doing the scene in the TARDIS. And uh, um, I can't remember why, but we were sort of talking about other stuff and somebody mentioned that I did a lot of voice work and, uh, and I, I, I said something about Tree Foo Tom. She said, Tree Foo Tom, you're Tree Foo Tom. She said, cause her, her little <laughs> girl um, uh, watched Tree Foo Tom. So I had to do the Tree Foo Tom voice, but I refrained from saying that I actually did her in audiobooks as well. <laughs> Oh yeah, no, I can I can only imagine. I the only doctor I can part way do is a Peter Capaldi, and I think I would I think I would turn into a puddle if I ever tried to oh. ever tried to do that. Yeah. But I did think I know, you know, people are speculating that Jodie won't take long to be a big finish. But I know if they ever did a release like they've done for some of the other new series doctors, well they've I think they've called it like the ninth doctor chronicles or tenth doctor chronicles they've had a, another act to come in and do it i was like oh i tell you what they'll be missing a chance they didn't get sophie to do oh, the 13th yes, doctor in that'd those. be amazing <laughs> <laughs> no, thank you. so sophie we all love your classic baseball bat like who doesn't the thing is just incredible but if you did ever have to hang it up for good what would your new choice of weapon be? Oh, well, I've got one, haven't I? I've got my Nitro 999 now. <laughs> oh, yeah, no, you cannot go wrong with that. That's always yeah. a nice explosive yeah, exactly. cocktail. I also think that maybe um, Ace should start using um, less, less violent things at times. So perhaps um, 
I don't know, her wit and her words might come into come into action now she's she's a bit older. Um, mm. But I do like I do like the fact that she can actually um and I, I'd like to resurrect the um the catapults as well from Silver Nemesis. Oh yeah. Oh yes. Yeah, mean shot with a catapult. Yeah. Well, I mean, you, t- you took out plenty of Cybermen with it, didn't you? Yeah, so. <laughs> exactly. That's fantastic. I mean, I'm sure. I'm sure. I'm, I I speak for myself, and I'm sure I speak for a lot of fans that you know. With, you know, obviously, you know, it's we're looking at, you know, over ten years now since we lost the amazing Liz- Elizabeth Sladen, and I know there would have been plans for you to come into the next series of the Sarah Jane Adventures, where uh, a car would have pull- pulled up and the jacket would have been seen coming out. Um, I, I speak for a lot of people and I say, I'm sure, especially after Power of the Doctor, we would love to see an ace show. Absolutely, you know, I think that would fill that slot amazingly. So if mm-hmm. Russell's, you know, going to do some amazing stuff. So I know Sarah Jane had a sonic lipstick. I wonder what, I wonder if Ace, if she ever had a sonic screwdriver-esque thing. And that's, I'm, I'm trying to think what that would be, because I don't think it'd be a sonic baseball bat, would it? Because it'd be too... <laughs> it's too a bit too hefty. She'd have to have something in her pocket, wouldn't she? It might, it might be something like, um, well, now she wears suits and stuff. Maybe a sonic pen. Or I, I really, did you like, did you like Squidget in... Uh, in oh, I love Cars Squidget. I absolutely love Squidget. It would be fantastic to have a real Squidget, wouldn't it? That would be good. <sighs> that would be amazing. Yeah. That would be absolutely fantastic. You know, <laughs> and, you know, there's there's different, you know... I know I've just said before about how canon is, you know, we need to leave it behind. But technically, if you look at canon, Ace has got two versions of K9 now. So uh, it'd be great yes, to... That's true. You know, yeah. I'd love to do a spin-off. It'd be really good fun. Yeah. yeah. Thing that I'm really, I'm really hoping. Fingers crossed with you know with Disney and Bad Wolf doing things now together for Doctor Who. I'm really, I'm really hopeful for the future that we'll see some more Ace definitely. And yeah. I, I, 100%. Oh, we'll cross our I, fingers. Yeah. <laughs> absolutely. Yeah. Uh, my next question comes about ch- at Charlton's End. Obviously, I've already gushed about how much I love it. Loved it so much. I got the physical copy and the audio book. Um, what was your inspiration for it and how did it come about? It came about because Steve Cole, who <clears throat> I knew years ago at BBC Books, uh, he got in touch with me and said, do you want to do it? And uh, I thought, oh, golly, I don't know about writing a whole book. Um, so he said, well, don't worry, because Mike Tucker, who I'd known from the visual effects department and who's a brilliant writer in his own right, um, he and Steve, uh, we, we did a collaboration basically so we got together uh, we don't live that far away from each other so we all got together uh, in a cafe and uh, we just went through loads of ideas um, and I just filmed the trailer for the for the box set so I was very sure that that's what I wanted that was the ace that I wanted to uh, to have in the book and those sorts of ideas like she'd had this penthouse apartment overlooking tower the tower of london and that she was she had this sort of bat cave thing and she um she was driving a an electric uh, of course and she was um because she was always uh, ace is a very sort of moral character um she's always been very remember at the end of remembrance of the dalek she says we did good, didn't we, Doctor? And I think that's what she really intrinsically wants to do with her life. So we wanted to get that in as well. Um, and then 
then the first thing was the long synopsis um uh writing you know down the uh, and then and then just really honing that and and working on that but it was great to work with Steve and Mike because they know the character very well and they've they're just such good writers and they come up with brilliant ideas as well so there was never ever a problem about oh I don't want that or I don't think that's a good idea yeah. it was a real true collaboration it's great oh, that's wonderful it sounds like an absolute treat working on that time uh, I, I I do some writing myself and it it's just wonderful to hear you talk oh, about don't, writing. Don't, um, don't be modest, Robin. You've got a published book yourself, mister. <laughs> oh, no, I, 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 I'm not trying to sound like a blanket or something in of so people cried out loud. But um, no, no, I, I generally wanted to ask as um, a writer to myself and many others out there who who love to write and it's so absolute passions. Like sometimes just finding that energy and finding the way to write that next story can be so difficult and because of that I wanted to ask you what kind of tricks did you use to kind of get over certain hurdles with your writing or how did you stay on track well it's not my favorite thing to do I have to say because I I like working with people I like being with people so writing is not great for that but the 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 novel was great because of course Mike and Steve were involved um but um, yeah, I think developing the discipline really, you've got to, the only thing you can do is just sit down and do it and uh, have a certain amount of time a day when you do it. Um, and then um, my husband writes um, as well and he, he's read loads and loads of books and done lots and lots of research on how to write, you know, and everybody just says, you've got to just get on and do it. And then if you get stuck, don't worry about it. You know, it's like some days you just won't write anything at all or you write a line. Um, other days, it'll just sort of all, the brain's an amazing thing, isn't it? Um, mm. Kind of carry on churning away and then suddenly, ah, it'll, it'll come. But discipline, I think, unfortunately, is the, is the key. Having that time that you sit down and just do it. That's what I'm that. lacking. That's what I need. <laughs> <laughs> it's difficult when you've got two children to find that time as well. So. Absolutely, yes. It must be very difficult. Yeah. They're both young as well, bless them. So, you know, it's it's very sweet. You know, I've got I've got my, my eldest, who's three, and my youngest, who's 18 months, and I've just got her into saying Doctor Who and TARDIS. Oh, no. <laughs> I'm like, yes, the, the indoctrination has begun. Oh, that's great. <laughs> uh hanging on from her that question about your writing so do you think there's do you think there's ever going to be a big finished script in you maybe you know maybe in the in the format now that they're not you know you know more you look at more of an hour now really in terms of big finished releases so i suppose uh you know i suppose i should have a go at some stage it doesn't sort of massive i mean you know i'm not leaping to i haven't got a story that i need to tell um, and the big Finnish writers just do it all so well. Um, oh, the calibre of the writers there. Yes. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. Extraordinary. Yes. And the constant ideas they come up with for Ace um, and the Seventh Doctor and whoever else. I mean, it's just extraordinary that there's been so many different iterations and wonderful stories. 
I don't know. We'll have to see. <laughs> Absolutely. Because, well, I mean, part of part of why I love so much as, as well as your TV work is Big Finish. And I just finished this past year the massive, amazing journey that was the Seventh Doctor, Ace and Hex as well, with obviously amazing Philippe Olivier. And... I just absolutely loved all those releases. I just found them absolutely amazing and cried so much at the end of it. Um, Talking about Big Finish, though, um, I know you've done so many of them. I know you'll be doing so many of them after this as well. But would you say there's, is there any one performance or one story that you're the most proud of? Gosh, there's quite a lot. But I do love the ones with Phil. Phil. Um, He was great to work with. Um, from the harvest which I think was the first one we did mm. um, there's a particular one called protect and survive which I think would work really well on um, uh, on tv which is a bit like um, that Raymond Briggs uh, story when the wind blows and um, uh, I think that's amazing that story I really like that one um, it is yeah absolutely it's a standout way about it but you know because I don't I was just about to talk about it and then I think oh no because that'll give the game away but. that's the thing isn't it you know <laughs> yeah. you know we talk about these these tv episodes but I feel like with big finish you, you have to be like well have you listened to it yet because there's that there's that barrier to it where it's like oh you you need to you need to listen to it and yeah I would definitely recommend protect and survive to everyone I think I think it's Jonathan Morris I believe yes, uh, I, wrote that one. I think it is there's, yeah, and there's, it's... there's um there's love and war as well paul cornell's uh which is brilliant and then there's one called um a death in the family which i very much like which is very emotional yeah um, that that one that one had me absolutely in buckets i was <laughs> oh my goodness it's just yeah. you know brilliant absolutely fantastic performances by yourself and the entire cast there um Going on from that, my favourite Big Finish release of this year has actually been the Tenth Doctor Classic Companions. Oh, yes. Which, yeah, I mean, that that, that yeah. must have been recorded back in 2020, 2021, and it just yes. came out the last month or so. I think we did it. Yeah, I th- we did it over a year ago, that's for sure. Mm. And um, we were still pretty much, we were still in lockdown, I think, or mm-hmm. one of the lockdowns. So there was me in my airing cupboard and... David was in his uh, in, in in an attic somewhere, and then <laughs> I think John Leeson had gone to uh, gone to a studio. Um, so it's a bit funny because you can't sort of um, you, you obviously don't have that same relationship, but then so you have to work a bit harder, I think, to um, to create that. But yes, I had David in my ears and. Um, uh, but I love the story and I love the fact that you get two aces in that, two versions of ace, um, which it's is so, great, great fun to do. It's so wonderful. It speaks to your performance there. You can tell so distinctly when you're playing the older version of ace and when, and you can so, um, honestly, I, I'm okay. just, I'm amazed by your, <laughs> I'm amazed by your, your talents that you can so easily go from, um, you know, that old race and then so able to do the younger race as well it's and you can tell the difference it's oh, brilliant thank you yeah it, it, it must have been really I know like you say you're doing it over zoom what have you it's not quite the same as working on set with Sylvester or Jody, for example but I mean it must have been fun because I think one of David's first roles like pre-Doctor Who was actually doing I think Colditz with you and Sylvester yeah, that's right yes many years ago yeah um he was a uh, 
he, he it was before he did Doctor Who, so it was was before he was famous and everything. But he definitely had a certain something even then. You know, he's he's got an amazing presence, David, and he's um, mm. he's a lovely lovely man as well. So uh, I really loved working with him on Coldix, and then of course mm. we did Trifu Tom together as well. The yes, mm. which is which was great fun, um, and uh, yeah, that was lovely to to meet up with him again. And then yeah, it's it's yeah, it's just lovely to work with. It's... It was it was a it was a match made in heaven for me because well, David is is my favourite Doctor. Sylvester is there as well. I. They're 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 so close in terms of things. So it was so lovely to go. Oh, my favorite doctor and my favorite companion are getting a story. So I, as soon as it was announced, I was waiting for that release, and I adored it. So thank you. And it's it's funny, really, that we're talking so in depth as well about all of your extensive voice work because you've not just done Big Finish. No, no, no. You've been doing video games and audiobooks and like. My earliest introduction to you, Sophie, wasn't even from Doctor Who. It was you voicing Dennis the Menace, who, after all these years, realised that you brought that character to life. It's blown my mind. I used to yeah. love that show. Um, I was just really curious, though, like, who in your life did you use as inspiration to make each of these voices unique and come to life? And... Of course, like, were any of them inspired by anyone from Doctor Who? Gosh, that's a really good question. What I usually do with voice work is I, it comes from the script. Um, Dennis the Menace, of course. Uh, I, I got had the Beano when I was young and my brother and I used to like, in fact, my brother uh, had the Beano delivered every week um, and we used to pour over it and, um, we loved all the characters in that. So I sort of had a good idea of of the character of Dennis the Menace. Um, but no, I don't really base... The only one I've really based on anyone is um, Trifu Tom, actually, because when we, when we went in and um, I saw the character, we were shown the, the pictures of the animations on, on, they mm. got on, on the wall. I said, oh, that, he looks a bit like my eldest son. Uh, <laughs> I can't remember he was about nine or ten at the time I think my Adam and um and I that gave me an idea and I thought oh yes I I, I know the kind of voice so I kind of based the voice a bit on on uh, on my son um and then he ended up playing the real live boy at the beginning and the end of the episode so he is true for Tom really um, oh, yeah, that, that's really that's sweet. That is, yeah, what a lovely connection for you know for the for yourself to have that in the show. That's yeah, it's great actually. And and uh, Adam, who's now twenty two, yeah, he uh, he auditioned. They didn't know he was my son, um, but uh, the producer said, "Oh, we're looking for somebody to play the real life boy. Would he be interested?" And I went home and I said, "Oh, do you want to audition for this thing?" And he said. Mm. And I said, well, you'd go to TV Centre to do the audition. And that's a historic <laughs> building where everything was filmed. And uh, he loved history at the time. And I said, I think you should go along. And he went along and he with my husband. So nobody knew he was my son. And yeah, he got the part. So I was really proud of him. So poor thing. Every year 
outcomes the Trifu Tom stuff on Facebook and uh, social media that his friends post. They, oh, look who it is! It's <laughs> oh, that's wonderful, though. That is. Well, I tell you what, that's the last of our questions that we got ourselves. Uh, I'll come to, before we come to the two Twitter questions, we've actually got a very, a very special request from someone. Um, My mum has sent in a question. (laughs) So my long suffering, my long suffering mother who watched a lot of the new series Doctor Who with me when I was back in the house and watching those things and actually bless her made a special point to sit down and watch power of the doctor oh. even though i was even though obviously i was in my house and my wife and watching it and having all sorts of jumping up and down and screaming and <laughs> shouting and laughing because i loved it so much she was there watching it as well not really understanding much of it but <laughs> oh thanks jackman Better, yeah. uh, so she wanted to ask a question because she she really identified with Ace and with Tegan. She loved seeing strong women, not just strong women, but strong older women coming into. Yeah, I, I don't mean that in any uh, in any way at all. Uh, but she she loved it. That's her words. Uh, she thought that was fantastic to see women of her generation there and kicking butt, basically. Uh, and she said she wanted she was very you know insistent she wanted to ask a question i said i'd love to have one from you she says so your return after years uh was it important to you that ace was still strong and kick-ass and portrayed in that way yes it was ex- it, really important to me um because i think that some sometimes we forget that older women uh, are we we become a bit invisible, I think, at a certain point. Um, and actually, it's, it, it was something I said to Chris Chibnall when I spoke to him. I said, I'd really like to show that older women can still do all this stuff if they want to. You know, no, you can not do that if you do. But yeah, I really wanted to show that Ace could still do a lot of running and jumping and leaping. And, and it was funny when I told Janet that she said something very rude to me (laughs) (laughs) it's your fault she said because of course she was having to do all the same stuff (laughs) 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 she enjoyed it (laughs) it it was wonderful was it was I know I've obviously I'm sure you've worn the jacket you know a lot in terms of convention was it was it amazing to put it back on for the actual episode oh yes it was really lovely and when it came out of that uh sort of storage in the floor mm. uh, they called it they said they called it uh the hero shot of the jacket you know yes and, yes uh, uh i couldn't believe there was this sort of reverence for the jacket it was amazing i i, I just things i hadn't thought of but yeah oh yeah people people love this jacket you know but it's, it's, it's iconic you know ace ace is a character iconic anyway but then the jacket itself is such you know, Doctor Who is full of these this iconography, and that jacket is right there along the sonic screwdriver in the TARDIS. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, it was great to um, be able to bring it back. I said to Chris, I've still got the jacket. Do you want it? And he was very excited. said, yes, please. Yeah. Oh, what was it? Was it, was it the actual? Yeah. The actual? Oh, oh my! I I oh, I wow. assumed that they made up a new version of that. I didn't. That's no, amazing. no, it's the original <gasps> jacket. Well, like, I took it to my costume fitting, and um, Ray Holman, the wonderful costume designer, said, "Oh well, can we keep it for a bit to do a copy?" 
I said, why are you doing copy? Why can't we use that? He said, can we use the real thing? I said, yeah, you just need to probably sew the badges on a bit, a bit more tightly because they fall off sometimes. But um, yeah, why don't you use the, the original? Oh, that's oh awesome. my goodness. It was already a favourite episode, but it's just got even more out of my <laughs> rankings now, I tell you now. <laughs> I'm sorry we fell out. I'm sorry I judged you. I didn't understand the burden you carried. All children leave home sooner or later. The joy is to watch them fly. So, we're good? Oh, we're more than good. We're ace. <laughs> right, we'll come to some questions from our listeners now, uh, because we have an amazing following on Twitter and our Discord server who've sent some lovely questions in. Uh, first one comes from Oliver's Voices uh, from our Discord server. Uh, he asks, when recreating the character base, did you have any conversation with Chris Chibnall about her life post-survival? I know you've said a little bit about this before, but if so, how did you use that to in inform the performance? Yes, I kind of used it all, really. Um, I was thinking of all the big finish stories and all the all the backlog. It's funny when you when you do the acting though, you don't sort of think about that so much. You've done your sort of thinking beforehand, and then when you're actually on set, somehow it's all just there, you know. Um, but yes, I did do a lot of thinking about what she'd have been up to, um, where has she been. Um, I'm not quite sure how she knows Tegan yet, but they they must have met somewhere on the way. I like to think that the that the uh, companions had all been in contact with each other in some way, um, and uh, that she would have been hanging out with Mel as well at some point. You know, um, that yeah, that would have made sense definitely. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I like that a lot. Again, I like to imagine there's a secret WhatsApp with all the all the companions there in it. <laughs> <laughs> yes, we do all have each other's numbers and we do send each other messages and, and uh, birthdays and things like that. It's really nice. Ah, that's brilliant. Well, it, it, you know, it, it was amazing seeing you in the episode. And I think the first time I absolutely bawled my eyes out was that final oh. scene that you're in, the, the, the companion support group, obviously, which yes. was just, you know, because I thought it was, it was amazing seeing Bonnie. It was amazing seeing Katie. And then, of course, William Russell as well appearing. It was, mm. oh, I, 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 I think I'm still crying now, actually. <laughs> oh, bless. It was really, it, it was an amazing scene. Um, when I, when I read it, I couldn't quite believe it. Um, but yes, it was, and I thought it, I thought it was so necessary. You know, it was mm. really great. Yeah, of course, the companions would, because. When you think about it, you'd leave the TARDIS and then what then? Very strange. Mm -hmm. it's, it's something I'd really thought about myself when Chris had said to me, <clears throat> what do you think Ace would be like now? It's like, yeah, well, she would be slightly out of, tar out of kilter because you know there's this incredible universe out there. You can't get back to it. But how do you then, how do you fit back into the world after you've had those experiences? So, I, yeah, I thought that was great. This made me think of another question as well, actually, because there's a shot when we come into it there where you, we see all of you sat down there and there's an empty chair with yeah. is it a laptop or is it, is it an iPad? Or... Well, you know, I, I'd forgotten about that until um, until somebody pointed it out. And the idea was, I think, that they were going to have 
say Jackie Tyler or, or you know or somebody mm. there or or they were going to have they were going to have some people there on a zoom as well but mm. I don't think anybody ever kind of uh, that's fair. had that's time fair. to do that yeah. <laughs> I had my own interpretation of that which I I didn't see that it was a laptop or something the first time. I just thought it was an empty chair and I just saw it as like a, a beautiful symbolic gesture to those companions or to the people that worked in Doctor Who that are no longer with us. And I just... think that's a really lovely interpretation, actually. Let's go with that. Yeah, mm. sure. And everyone that loved it, like, you know, I I lost my granddad this year, uh, I did. And uh, it was it was a great, Doctor Who was a great source of comfort for me in that time. And the, like the day that he passed away, I put on Dear the Doctor and I put on Remembrance of the Daleks because... I had to watch my favorite stories, you know, so it was, you know, so I see him in that chair as well as someone that knew that I love Doctor Who and yeah. <laughs> that's gorgeous. I, I think that's so fitting because I know that Doctor Who is a great comfort to people. And I think if it can help people with grief or loneliness or um, mental health or whatever people are going through, then yes, that's a, fantastic fantastic thing yeah. yeah absolutely and it, it's helped me so much through a lot of dark times in my life so it's mm. it's always there it's a constant so I'll, I'll say now thank you for your part in all of that as well so oh, I'll say yeah, that a bit now you. well if I you know I think the thing is that as humans basically most of us the vast majority of us want to make a difference of some kind and uh, and if I feel that I've contributed to that in some small way, then that's that's just worth every moment. It's great. Oh, I think oh. I think um, Doctor Who was also great power during lockdown for people, um, and I think it gave people a connection. And I'm just so proud of of the program really for doing that absolutely it was it was you know it was it was all I thought about for a lot of 2020 which mm -hmm. was just which was great to have that that escapism is yeah. what it is it's, it's a boundless universe Doctor Who isn't it and it's yes. you know it takes gives us characters of, yeah the sort of uh it takes you out of your own world and your maybe problems or your issues and and the, it takes you somewhere else doesn't it exactly yeah uh, our next question comes from Twitter. It's at Oscar Groucho's friend, dear, dear friend of the show. Uh, he asks, seeing as Ace is now a Disney princess with the uh, <laughs> recent uh, <laughs> with the recent Disney partnership, uh, what's the name of your rousing chorus number at the end of uh, an entirely fictional Who animated Ace musical? Uh, I've been oh, forward my to this one. word. <laughs> That's incredible. I love it. Um, I will survive. Uh, <laughs> oh, oh, yes, that kind of yeah, ties in with survival and uh, and sort of just the kind of yeah, the attitude of ace. Yeah, I think I'm gonna go for I will survive. Oh, I love damn that, straight. love That's that, great. absolutely love that. <laughs> Uh, another dear friend of the show, uh, at Dread Davis. He's uh, Cheeky Beggar has got two questions, and they're both bangers, so I'll ask both of them. Uh, the first one uh, he asks is, the Happiness Patrol is often painted as uh, the big Thatcher parody, but which other stories of yours do you think were influenced by the time that they came out the most? 
I think they all were a bit. Yeah, it's a really good point. Uh, Remembrance of the Daleks, definitely still relevant today, sadly. Story about racism. Mm. Um, mm. And uh, yes, and I think the there's a lot in Doctor Who, isn't there, about um, power and how power is used. And interesting that the story is called The Power of the Doctor because there's there's power over people, which is obviously what the master thinks is power, but then true power, what is true power? And examining the whole question of personal power, um, power as a force for good, power as energy, um, can't remember what the question was, but anyway, hope I've answered. Question, <laughs> <laughs> no, yeah. Well, I, mean, no, I, know, I, I think I, that nails it. Yeah, that nails it. I know, like I know, for example, Andrew Cartmel, who was obviously the script editor at the time uh, of you, of you being on the show. I know he went into it with the famous line that he wanted to bring down the government. So, uh, yeah. <laughs> Yeah. I and I, I, I highly recommend his book Script Doctor to uh, people as well because it's just a wonderful little snapshot of that his time on the show. So Andrew used to walk around with a notebook and he wrote tiny tiny little handwriting in these little notebooks everything. So that book is an actual real verbatim uh, record of of uh, of the um, time that we worked on the show. So yeah, it's very w- well worth reading. Absolutely, yeah. So uh, Davis's other question is, what type of personality would you aim for if you were to play the Doctor? Oh, oh gosh. Uh, let's, let's imagine it's a, it's a Doctor Who Unbound, which obviously Big Finish are fond of doing. It's, mm-hmm. a, it's a what-if universe where you're playing a version of the Doctor. What personality trait yeah. would you give it? Oh, yeah. my goodness. I don't know. That's a very good question. I think I think I'd li- I'd like to see well, which was apparently an idea that Ace was going to go to Gallifrey and uh, become a time a time lord. Um, so maybe it would be Ace as a doctor. As um, I don't know, It'd be very interesting, or either that or a completely batty old lady in about twenty years' time when I'm <laughs> when I'm old enough to say batty old ladies I think that would be good mm. I think that'd you, be wonderful you, absolutely you can't, beat yeah. bat, you can't beat a batty old lady I think women that's doing them a di- doing um batty old ladies a disservice though to speak about that but women who've who've come into their power who've been in their through their lives who've uh seen seen a lot who've experienced a lot and who are totally themselves who don't really, once you get to the point where you don't really care what other people think about you, I think that's very liberating. That Excellent. I love that. I, I, I want to hear that. I want to see it. I do, definitely. <laughs> and still able to run around a lot. That would be great. Definitely. To have the definitely. best physical health. Yeah. <laughs> uh, our next one comes from another friend of the show at Vacuum of Comments. Uh, he asks, uh, did you ever read the books that came out after your time on the show? And if so, how do you think they handled the character of Ace? Ah, yes, The Virgin New Adventures. Um, I must admit I didn't read them all. Um, maybe that's something I should do, actually, now. Um, 
And uh, yes, I think there was a, uh, the jury was out, wasn't there? There were people who absolutely loved the books and thought that the character race was really well handled. And then there were people who were absolutely shocked that Ace became this sort of gun-toting mercenary who was all grown up and uh, and a bit more like a kind of comic book character in a way, a sort of uh, Judge Dredd type character. Mm -hmm. um, mm. And... Uh, and I was just delighted that people were taking the character and coming up with their own versions and their own take on the character of Ace. Um, so yes, I think I'll I'll go away and I'll do some homework. That's good. That's great. I mean, I, I know I know I've not read it, but I've listened to the audio version of Love and War in particular. is just a just a phenomenal story. Just yes. and just. Just does Ace so just does Ace so much justice in it? Yes, it's I wonderful. think Cornell really got the character of Ace, and uh, and he mm. um, he did a fantastic job there. Mm. Okay, so our next question uh, comes from at uh, Mika. Oh my goodness, I hate it when they've got numbers in their names. It's, <laughs> it's uh, so at Mika five three seven eight five three seven five. Dial that number and get a free pizza. Uh, <laughs> uh, Mika asks, uh, why do you think there are so few queer stories for Ace after the TV series stopped? Um, obviously. Um, you know, uh, the character has a lot of it uh, canonically has been written to be queer with a lot of queer subtext and the show uh, sort of stopped and it was never really, really, really revisited a big finish. Now, obviously, I know there's a very, in survival, there's a very clear sort of subtext there with Ace and uh, Lisa Bauman's Cheetah uh, character, which... So I suppose the question is that why, I guess really it's why do you think there are so few queer ace stories and maybe what are your views on, oh, not on my mic there, what are your views on ace as a queer character? Really? Well, it's so funny. It's very simple, really. Um, and I'm delighted that people can see that now because back in the day, we had no idea that, that was what was going on. So I, it seems bizarre, doesn't it? But 30 odd years ago, um, it didn't, even compute that that was what the the relationship was really between Cara and Ace, although Rona Munro wrote it uh, as a, a that sort of experimenting that with the queer relationship, which is fantastic, so so good. And then looking back now, I can see that Ace always had a um, although she was always she was always falling in love with with the blokes, you know, that who turned out bad. So there was Mike in Remembrance of Daleks mm -hmm. and there was Captain Thorin in Curse of Fenric. But there was always a female character as well. So like um, uh, Battlefield, um, you know. So, uh, yeah, I think it's absolutely brilliant that people can see themselves and their relationships um, in the character of Ace. I don't know about the Big Finish, um, Yes, it's probably about time we addressed that. Um, and I, I quite like the fact that it's not overt because then I think with, as with a lot of things in Doctor Who, the viewer can then have their own personal relationship with the story, with the character, with whoever. If it's overt, it's like uh, there's nothing left to the imagination. And I think that's a shame. So I think it's... Uh, it's great and you can make up your own mind 
about about ACE. Um, I mean, I, I'm not going to actually say anything either because I think it is very important for the viewer, the listener, the reader to um, discover for themselves and make up their own minds. I think that's wonderful. I know that uh, I know Mark Hamill had a big speech about uh, people's view of Luke Skywalker in a very similar fashion, where it's you know it's it's it, you know it's you as a fan, it's you as someone that sees yourself in this character. If you think that they're this way, then yes. If you think they're this way, then absolutely. And I think that's that's beautifully how you put it there, so mm. genuinely. Mm. Um, uh, Andre at Prododian 06. Thank you, Andre, for only having a small number in there. <laughs> <laughs> he, uh, they ask, out of all the Doctor's companions, uh, which do you think Ace would go on adventures with? Mm. Oh, my goodness. Oh, any of them. Pick, pick any of them, really. I think Ace would be just up for going on adventures, full stop. Um, and uh, let's see, Martha springs to mind, actually. That would That'd be, be great. Yeah. Yes. Uh, That'd be a good choice. Yeah. Uh, I think she and Amy Pond would probably explode if they went off. Oh, yeah. oh, I would. Um, oh, I'd love that, though. I'd love that. <laughs> I, I would absolutely love that. Ace would feel very <laughs> protective towards Joe Grant. She'd take her under her wing. Um, and who else? Let's see. Um, well, yes, she and, and Tegan, obviously, they've, 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 they've done that, but they've obviously got more adventures to go in them. Mm. And the previous adventures, you know, what were they up to before Power of the Dalek? A uh, Power of the um, Doctor. That's what that's Yeah. Yeah. And of course you, you've done you've, yeah, and of course you've done some with Bonnie Langford as well, being oh, you yeah. know, which is yeah. fantastic. That goes so, saying. Yeah, donut. Yeah. yeah. More adventures yeah. donut. <laughs> I think, oh, I, I'm gonna throw a curveball now. I think Ace would be great with Clara, Clara Oswald, uh, Jenna yeah. Coleman's character. Oh, yeah. Because you know, part of Clara's whole thing is that she's a control freak and is trying to sort of become the doctor in a way. It'd be great to see Ace sort of being faced with someone that like the doctor that's maybe trying to manipulate her in the same sort of ways. Oh, that would be fun, wouldn't it? Yes. I yeah. can't see her, her um, taking to that very kindly. No, yeah, exactly. So it'd be great to see, you know, you and Jenna Coleman butting heads. So. Yeah, that would be good. Yeah. <laughs> I like that a lot. Yeah. Um, our next one comes from at Harry Jackson 225. And we've covered this a little bit, but it's just, uh, was it ever discussed in trying to fit Childhood's End into the narrative of Ace's TV return? You don't really think about that. Um, I, I, I kind of, um, what I do is I take every script at its face value and, mm. uh, and you, you perform the script that's in front of you. Um, and as we said before, I think you can have a multitude of, of uh, timelines anyway. So it's very clever like that, Doctor Who, isn't it? You can just explain everything away on a timeline. Um, Absolutely. Mm. Absolutely. Okay. Our last one then. Yeah, I, I'm sorry to anyone that hasn't had their question asked here, but uh, we've, you know, we've only got so much time we can do this now. I love the que question to end on. And I've got one to follow on from this as well. Uh, this is from at WePoll underscore. I'd love to know about what Sophie's preferred ending for Ace's story is. So, yeah. I'd like to say that there isn't one. <laughs> I, I think like that. 
I think yeah. I think what it what it would be really is for Ace to grow old in the TARDIS with the Doctor and just like because I think she more than a lot of the other companions is has been so formed and shaped by her relationship with the Doctor being 16 when she boarded the TARDIS for the first time and I think for her it was probably very hard to go back to Earth so I think she would be one of those ones who would just always go back for an adventure and then probably end up you know as a as an elderly very elderly kick-ass woman in the TARDIS <laughs> and uh, yes it would be that would be her end Mm. Oh, I love that. That'd be oh. wonderful. You hear that now, Russell? Bring back Sophie with Shooty. That's what we want. <laughs> <laughs> there we go. Full time, full time series companion. That'd be fantastic. Again, yeah. mm-hmm. I guess I'll I'll carry on from there. In that, obviously, the most the recent most recently released Doctor Who book is Doctor Who Origin Stories, which you have a story in. Katie mm. Manning has a story in as well, and you give a lovely origin story to the Ace there. I don't want to spoil too much for anyone that's not read it, but there are some wibbly wobbly timey wimey things in that as well, which is <laughs> wonderful. Um, when going into that, um, was that a brief or was it, oh no, do this with in mind of uh, Ace having this teacher that's who they are? <laughs> it's no, difficult to uh, ask that question, you know, no, without it was spoiling completely it. Yeah. my story. Um, so all I was asked was to write an origin story for Ace, you know, Ace when she was young. And and I don't know where I got the idea from. It just, I think I had a dream one night, actually. I woke up one morning with the idea. Um, and it kind of, in a way, wrote itself. Um, the ending I was a bit less sure about. Um, I went through a couple of ideas about that. But I'm I was really happy with the way. But it's it's it did just write itself, really. And I'm I'm really pleased with it. I just stuffed it with as many references as I possibly could but yeah and then while being mindful that it was for an audience who may not know the character of Ace as well um but I wanted to make something again for the fans uh yeah well I can tell you now <laughs> I, I I had that all the way through reading it and it was wonderful and it does land it's beautiful oh, absolutely thank beautiful you. thank you so much yeah, well, look, Sophie, thank you so much for speaking to us today. It's been an absolute pleasure, genuinely. It's, this has been, it's been a highlight of doing this podcast, genuinely, oh, to talk to you. Oh, so thank, thank you, you so much. much. Yeah, it's really lovely to meet you both. And uh, yeah, have have fun. And thank you, everybody, as well, for your questions. Really great questions. Oh, it's, lovely. It's been an absolute delight. You've been so fun, so engaging. And um a bit of behind the scenes for those listening in. Um, we had a little bit of technical difficulties before this. So Sophie's been so amazing and has been our hero once again in helping us record this, which is such incredible. This just yeah. oh, well, I'm now so really much. hoping that I'm going to be able to actually send you the recording. Fingers <laughs> crossed. Oh, yeah. no. <laughs> let's, let's not speak quite yet, but no, <laughs> yeah. not, not the lost like episode, please. No, yeah. <laughs> No, well, I tell you what, I think that's a lovely point for us to cut to future Jack and future Robin to uh, mm, have yes. a last little discussion. Oh, all right, then. Well, great to meet you and uh, see you soon. Oh, see Thank you. Soon. And we are back. Oh, how oh. amazing was that? 
Uh, I, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm still sort of not. I don't think it's really hit me yet. But I'm uh, currently, I'm freaking out a little bit. <laughs> oh <laughs> yeah, my goodness! You did Sophie, amazing, mate. You, you really did too. Did. And let's face it, Sophie did amazing. Sophie was oh. absolutely fantastic. This, this has been an amazing episode. Uh, I'm, I'm really happy with this. Um, uh, I tell you what, though. Um, Let's just end this fantastic episode on a little tasty yeah. morsel, shall we, Robin? Oh, yes, please. Got to have that. So so i got one for you here. And funny enough, you think you've got a cannon buster for me as well, mister, don't you? I do, I do. If, you've, if you'd like me to share that little morsel with you as well. I'll tell you what, shall I go with mine first and then you can see if you blow my mind? Yeah, go for it, go for it. Okay. So, obviously, uh, post-Survival, uh, the classic series, Ace carried on as a character into the version of Adventures books, which we talked about with Sophie uh, just a little bit there. Um, I've got an illustration just here on the TARDIS wiki of Ace in one of those books, actually the very last uh, Virgin New Adventure book, that being Lung Barrow. And Ace is riding what is described as a time bike. <laughs> what? Um there's very which apparently yeah uh uh, uh so she left the doctor apparently and she used a short range time hopper mounted on a motorbike basically meaning she had a TARDIS but it was a motorbike that's what like I'm sorry Jack right now I've just got this bike and mice on Mars image and it looks. Head. I'm going to hold it up to my camera so you can see. It looks very much like biker mice. <laughs> like, yeah. Oh my god. I mean, I'm, I'm going to say it now. Like, we don't have an MCU Ghost Rider yet. Like, <laughs> yeah, get Sophie. Yeah. <laughs> I, honestly, I, I, I'm at this point. I'm just like, just cast Sophie in every role because, mm. yeah. Oh, amazing. Go on, mate. Oh, I mean, this is my first time doing a Cannon Buster, so I've no idea if you've heard of this little tweet. Um, I stumbled upon this completely by random chance. Um, Jack, um, the Doctor has had many different companions over the years, and he's recently even had some that aren't flesh and blood. You know, obviously we have... K9, who is a classic robot companion, but um, what if I were to tell you, Jack, that um, he's had a nano animal companion, which was a bit bigger than a dog and more like a Tyrannosaurus Wex. <laughs> Sorry, what? I'm yes, I'm talking about the motherfucking T Wex that is Kevin, the robotic copy of a t-rex um who joined matt smith amy pond and rory williams um kevin was found pretending to be a t-rex unsettling so he asked to travel with the doctor so he can find a better place for himself <laughs> does he does he drop the uh, t-rex off at batman's uh, bat cave by each other oh, is, that, is that is that somehow connecting a doctor who to that oh my goodness in my head canon 100 yes um there's just 
there's this wonderful panel, which I've got to find for you now, of them trying to get Kevin inside of the TARDIS while being pursued by, like, oh, what looks to be, like, cowboys, and it's just an absolute... <laughs> Sorry, uh, the dinosaurs, the mechanical t- T-Rex is running away from cowboys. Um, I, what? I'm fairly, I cer- I'm fairly certain that mechanical T-Rex beats cowboys in rock, paper, scissor. <laughs> I, I know, I know, but I'm... Oh, come on, where is... I'm going to send you a screenshot there so you can just oh, digest I can't. That. I can't wait to dive into that, mate. Uh, there we are. I'll, I'm so I'll glad say, that. <laughs> I'll say now, um, so massive, massive thank you to our guest, Sophie Aldred. Um, I, don't, I don't know what to say, Robin, honestly, other than... Just this has just been an amazing episode. Uh, mm-hmm. Fantastic for us. I think it signals maybe what we're going to lead into, potentially. You know, um, I've yes, I've just had the recording come through for now because uh, she saved the day, as Robin said. And oh, um, my God, uh, <sighs> I'm I'm, I'm, I'm going to bits now. Let's yeah. just let's, let's just end, let's just end <laughs> the podcast here. Um, I've been Jack. I've been Robin. Our guest was the amazing, the wicked, the ace, Sophie Aldred. Woo! And this has been an awful lot of running a Doctor Who podcast. Ta-ra for now! Ta-ra! Hi, everyone. Uh, one quick little extra thank you I want to put at the end of the episode here. Just, um, I want to say a big thank you to my parents, mum and dad, who without them, this episode and our chat with Sophie wouldn't have happened. So... Thank you so much, Mum. Thank you, Dad. I love you both dearly. This was this was everything I wanted it to be and more. I think Robin said the same thing. And I'll just end there by saying whoever historically said never meet your heroes, obviously you never met Sophie Aldred. Ta for now. An awful lot of running is an unofficial Doctor Who podcast. Intro music and outro music is by Hudson Music. Please, please, please go and check them out.